0: McKinney Flavel's Hot Commodity Podcast Series, empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President, CEO of McKinney Flavel, and today is oh my gosh, October first. It's already here, Q4, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. I'm joined by three lovely guests, Sean Bingham, Director of Risk Management. Hello, Sean. Good morning, Michael. Happy writing. Uh, Nicole Thomas, Vice President, Information, Sales, and Services. Hello, Nicole. Hi, Michael. And finally, the sugar guru, Kevin Combs, Vice President of McKinney-Flavel. Hello, Kevin. Hey, Mike. Hey, everyone. Yeah. Hey, Kevin, Kevin pulled a uh, muscle at softball. That's all I have to say. You all all right, Kevin?
1: I, I will survive. Yeah, thank okay, you. Okay,
2: Good, good, good. It's good, called good.
1: getting older.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I know.
0: <laughs> he is quite the player, though. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There is an age, Kevin, we have to give up these uh, sport things at mm-hmm. some point. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 51 is, is, is it, you're telling me? That's it. <laughs> 50 I'm, was it. You yeah. took it
3: a year too far. That's Time the for the
2: Peloton,
0: Kevin. Time yeah. for the Peloton. That's all I'll say. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, though. No. Hey, <laughs> welcome everybody to the podcast. I have uh, some sad news for those that don't. Most people in this uh, industry know What i'm about to say but uh as of today the cme has closed most of its uh trading pits permanently Mm -hmm. and uh i know folks on this podcast here uh have toured been involved been on the pit yelled across the pit at some point if you were uh, employed there so a sad day a sad day. So I thought today, what we would do is talk a little bit about uh, maybe some fun stories or memorable times that you 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 guys had at the CME, and then we can shift over to maybe what the impact of those closing of the pits may or may not have on the markets. Sound fair? Fair enough. Yeah, that works. All right, all right. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna wow. <laughs> I'm gonna have to do something to lift you guys up here. Why don't we start? Kevin. Kevin, do you have any stories, just like a quick story about something memorable about the CME pit? Um, anything that you want to share? You know,
1: I was just amazed. I've I've only visited pits. I did not have any work experience in the industry. Yeah. And it was just amazing how you could see 30, 40, and then some of the more uh Larger trading pits, even even more people than that, all just gesturing away, going crazy. And, you know, it's it's like the market was super, super quiet. And then it got to like 10 minutes to the close. And it was just crazy. It was right out of trading places. Yep. And uh, people are going back and you're like, how do these guys even know how they're communicating with one another? And then, of course, the, the people giving those tours are like, well, hey. You know that guy over there in the green jacket with the blue ribbing around the edge. He is looking at this guy in the orange jacket because he knows that they're doing opposite trades. And despite all that pandemonium going on, yeah. they could narrow it down and just focus on what they were doing. And you know, there's people that are sellers. There people that are representing buyers. And because they worked every day in those pits, they knew exactly you know what was going on and who to be paying attention
0: to. And and could make sense of all those wonderful hand signals yeah it was really cool i did a tour i actually met billy ray valentine and and randolph (laughs) duke uh, and lewis winthrop the third when i went i have signed autographs um and yeah it's just a great experience that's pretty much all i have to share but nicole or sean any uh any anything you any any fun stories you want to share about the pit
3: well i'm I'm sure sean's got better stuff than me because he he spent a little more time there but to kevin's point I remember my first thought being organized chaos. Um, Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I think that was like my first professional trip with Bungie still um, young and fresh and enthusiastic and uh, going there and, and seeing, you know, like I said, organized chaos. All, all I knew was that it was something I wanted to do because I was young, enthusiastic and energetic. It, sounded like a great job to have would be uh, a runner because you know you get to run back and forth quite a bit
2: very but uh
3: it was it was um just amazing to me to to actually see something that most people you know most of your you know everyday people walking down the street had no idea that this even this place even existed yet it touches everybody's lives totally to some degree and. and it and it helped to uh, to be there uh, with with some folks from Bungie and getting a chance to uh, uh, meet some of their folks that work there. And uh, even though you know many of them were a bit more mature in age, mm-hmm. uh, they had some amazing stories and a, a ridiculous amount of energy themselves. Because I think we 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 did the pit thing, we went to dinner, and then we went out. And I'm like, and you're gonna get up tomorrow morning and do all this again? <laughs> what, what, what is this? And then I got the story about Chris Farley. So, oh, yeah, there and you go. Like, oh, <laughs> there's a lot of energy here. I understand yes. why.
0: <laughs> yes. True warriors down there in that pit. Uh, how about you, Sean, something real
2: quick. Uh, and then we'll move on to what we think, uh, the impact might be. Yeah. Well, um, I stepped on the floor, uh, in, uh, the end of 1989 and then spent oh God. Uh, the next 15 years down there. Oh my gosh. You were that guy. I was that guy. So I started in the, uh, I started at the, uh, uh, CME as a runner, uh, in the S and P pit as it was my first gig out of college and uh, worked my way up to a trading position at uh, Chicago Research and Trading at the uh, Chicago Board Options Exchange, trading in the OEX and then back to the CME. uh, And then my final tour of duty uh, on the Chicago floors was in the uh, bond and fed funds pit uh, at the Board of Trade. So uh, as far as stories, uh, I could write a book <laughs> of, yeah, I bet you can. of all the uh, all the things that I had seen over the years, but I think I think the the thing that I probably remember most about being down there was uh, was it was either complete chaos and crazy, or it was really dead. And mm-hmm. and when the crazy times were hit, you you didn't have time to even think. You were just you know you were just reacting and moving. I mean. There were days I I walked on the floor and and stood in the same spot for eight hours without a bathroom break or a lunch or a coffee or anything. I mean, that would happen quite a few times, you know, payroll day or something. But then the the times that were probably more memorable were the ones when there was absolutely nothing going on, like the Friday after Thanksgiving or something like that. And all the absolutely stupid things that we would come up with to entertain ourselves (laughs) – sitting there. Let me see some paper airplanes. Uh, I mean, I, some, a lot of this, I could not even say on this show, but, uh, uh, some of it was just, Hey, let's see if that runner can eat 30 big Macs in in an hour, you know, and, and somebody would go buy them. And then the whole pit would, you know, you'd put the kid in the middle of the pit and see if he'd eat eat 30 big Macs in, in an hour or, or we'd all run outside by the CME, by the river, and see who could throw a 16-inch softball over the river for 100 bucks each. I mean, <laughs> wow. just, just the dumbest stuff you could ever imagine. But uh, it, it's a sad day. I mean, yesterday was the last day for almost all the pits except for uh, a few of the option pits. Uh, it's, a, it's a time in my life I will never, ever forget. I sure. uh, can't say I would ever want to go back down there. It's, it's absolutely grueling uh, on your body. Uh, and as much fun as it was uh there was a lot you know there there was some there was a lot of downside to that place it was uh highly highly competitive as as nicole had alluded some really bad habits uh for people that were trying to keep up with the stress of that job and uh i I would say fifteen years for me was probably uh five years over what I probably should have done <laughs> got it I got
0: it I got it. Okay, um, let's talk a little bit about what the impact might be of of these closures, and maybe you know they they've been weaning down the the number of markets traded in the pits, and now with it pretty much closed here, what uh, what is what are what is our opinion on uh, impact on that on the
2: markets? Well, just a brief history, real fast, just for folks that sure. don't so. The I think in the the board of trade opened in 1948. It was the world's first futures exchange, uh, almost 175 years ago. Uh, so you know a lot of a lot of history in there. But to you know the end of the end of floor trading started in 1987, and that's when the CME and the board of trade introduced the Globex electronic platform. And uh, it's interesting that um, by by 1990. There was a big battle between the U.S. and the European exchanges going on, and the in in the European exchanges, uh, Germany and in and, uh, and in England, they were much quicker to adopt electronic trading. and it, And in 1990, the U.S. had 65 percent of the futures market. By 1997, it was down to 41 percent because Europe had outpaced us on the electronic trading. So. By 2004, we were back to about 61%. But that's, there was, you know, part of the reason that that the pit, the you know, the, the pit trading is gone was this race to electronic. And now as of, I think they said as of about 2015, uh, 99% of the pit is now electronic. So I have talked to many, uh, you know, guys I used to work with, people that were on the floor that have said uh, and there's some evidence to this that the markets are now more volatile without the locals in the pit. Now, again, I haven't seen the evidence there. I think there's some ancillary data. I think anybody that's been watching the markets for the last few years would also agree markets are more volatile than they used to have been. Is that because of electronic trading? Is it because of a larger influence in uh, managed, uh, managed futures? is really hard to, is really hard to say, but I, I, I tend to agree that, that the lack of having those locals is adding some volatility, uh, to the, uh, you know, particularly in some of the grain and interest rate markets.
0: Yeah, we, we definitely seen more volatility and, um, that could definitely be a contributor. Okay. How about you, uh, Kevin or Nicole, do you have, uh, anything to add as, as far as, uh, opinion on, on changes moving forward?
3: Well, I I can say, kind of to Sean's point of when all this sort of began, the biggest fear I think a lot of folks had in the industry was that they were losing transparency. You know, everything's kind of uh, behind the scenes and they felt really comfortable being able to watch that transpire, you know, in real time in front of their faces, even if they weren't the one individuals that were, you know, sitting there in the, in the pit directly. But I, if anything, I think it's, you know, just kind of telling generally speaking of where things are going in the world, period, you know, more, more usage of technology, uh, everything being, you know, digital in some form or another. And it really gets you to thinking about, you know, even the core stuff that we, we do on the day to day and how we as, you know, procurement folks have to kind of stay on top of, you know, that evolution of how our business or, or our aspect of the business works and, and thinking about that, you know, even even when it comes to things like how we how we read uh, futures markets and, and what we can expect and how much of that is you know, kind of based on the gut versus how much of that is, is impacted by um, what's kind of done behind the scenes with the use of this technology. So yeah. that's no. that's what I see as a, a long-term impact and, you know, along the lines of what Sean was mentioning, more the reason to, to stay ahead of those things and try to implement, mm-hmm. uh, when dealing with futures, trying to implement tools that are, you know, more in, in, in sync with how things are, are done today.
0: Yep, and it's um, you know we're blessed to have Sean and and bring on systematic modeling. It's it's really when you combine that with the uh, fundamental information, it's uh, it's a masterpiece, as I always like to say. Yeah, so that was
2: a, that was really a great
0: plug. It was. I was. She was setting me up. <laughs> I'm really good at this. Yeah, she was. I was like,
2: <laughs> okay, here I go. I would say on that, and I didn't know she was going to go that way. Yeah. But it, it's absolutely true. I mean, uh, there's if there's one thing we absolutely know about what electronic trading has done. It is, it has sped the speed of the market. I mean, yep. it used to be, you know, you picked up the phone, you called the broker, the broker got an order, he flashed it into the pit, the guy executed it in the pit, you know, and then went back the other way. And that, that, that took a little bit of time today. It's these trades are being executed in milliseconds and they're all in are 90, you know, 90% run by algorithms. There's not even a human attached to the other end of that. So, uh, you know, it, 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 it it is all about data analytics now, and for procurement folks uh, that ha, that are not in tune to that, are not using some of these data analytics to to help them, uh, you know, weed through these market environments, uh, you're really uh, you're you're getting left behind because that is where the industry is going to go. And uh, yeah, and uh, we have, uh, as Nicole and and Mike, you said we've got some tools here to help. Uh, there, there's nothing that's perfect, but uh, certainly it's a step in the right direction of, of uh, you know, getting involved in in how and how to react when these markets are moving so much faster. Exactly.
0: Well, do we have anything else to add, or should we let folks get on with their uh, their weekend? We have, we do have
1: one more thing, and Uh-oh. and that's you know what's going to happen to all the fancy jackets. And <laughs> the Smithsonian. Uh, are these now collectors items and can you find them on ebay and uh you know i i think mike was looking for a halloween costume i, Sean, I think so that's yeah, maybe you be. could uh send them I, uh, well
2: first of all you uh, you almost always rented those things so you didn't re- you didn't even own it i mean you could buy your own but wow uh, so i look look mine was so uh can you say crappy on this was so t- you can torn up. <laughs> you can believe and uh, and, <laughs> the and you don't. know another another great thing is I probably wore the exact same tie every day for ten years. I just wadded it up. Wow. <laughs> I, I just want you know, the rule was you had to wear a tie down there. so I would just everyone would wad a tie up, put it in their jacket pocket, come in and you didn't even untie it. You just took it over your head and then you put it right back over your head when you came in the next day. but uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with any of the clothing uh, articles that ever came out of that place. No no thank you. you know, well, we learned something. That, that, thank you for that. For that it. tip yeah. of the yeah.
1: dirty ties. Yeah. Sounds like there may be some stench. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some, right, uh, right. Stains. yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, we're gonna wrap this one up. I just wanted to give a quick uh thank you to the Ernerberry uh folks uh for having us out at their conference this week. Uh Nicole, you did a phenomenal job. Uh, presenting on grains and uh, what's what's to be expected moving forward. So great job there. Thank also, you. Um, if you do uh, know about Ernerberry, uh, in their Reporter magazine, Kevin has a uh, – he, he was a contributor on Sugar this, uh, this last uh, quarterly uh, uh, magazine. So check that out as well. And finally, if you're not an iCube subscriber, speaking of technology, and you want to have 24-7, 365 access to all of our intelligence – reach out to us. We'll put you on a test drive and uh, you're going to love it. I know you are. Um, So as I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family. Do not take it for granted. Until next time, take care, everybody. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.